The book of Nehemiah is about how God works through His people and leadership to do God's work. Through faith, through obedience, through courage, through fearless men and women willing to just follow God and His will, wherever that may lead. The story of Nehemiah, and and Nehemiah, by the way, goes down in history as a good leader. When we read and study this, and I'm convinced that the Bible is the best book on leadership. When you think of Moses and Joshua and David and Esther uh, showing courage and stepping out and, 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 and putting themselves out there in the sense of for the sake of other people, uh, so many great examples and no greater example in the scripture than our, our Savior Jesus Christ. Greatest leader of all time. Of course, we all believe that. The context of this, and I'm trusting some of it, we, we kind of understand the story of Nehemiah a little bit, but Israel, Jerusalem, they've been conquered, they've been destroyed. There's only a remnant left. Many of the folks have gone into captivity, and Nehemiah is one of those. He is, he is in Persia, he is serving uh, King Artaxerxes. While he's there, some of the Jews, some of his brethren, uh, relatives and stuff from, from that area, they come through and he asks, he asks them of the news of Jerusalem. And, he, and they said to him here in chapter 1 that they're in great affliction, that they're in a, a reproach, that, that the walls of Jerusalem, their safety and all that had been broken down. And that brings us to Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, Nehemiah, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Verse 7, this is his prayer. This is Nehemiah's prayer to the Lord. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out in the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather you from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people who now is redeemed with thy great power and by thy strong hand. Look at verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. You see that? I pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in thy sight. For I was the king's cupbearer. You see here, you see here this burden that Nehemiah has. I mean, he, as soon as he hears this bad news, as soon as he hears this stuff, it, 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 it drives him to what? To action. That is, Nehemiah's reaction to the bad news, to the stuff, was what? Prayer. His reaction to it 
was prayer. And by the way, that is our greatest action. <laughs> you think prayer is, is, is not passive, is it? I mean, that is, that is getting God to work and His will being done. He, Nehemiah, we see here, here, had a burden. He was stirred up. Listen, this wasn't a one-day emotion. I, 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 we need those. We need a joy. We need these uh, one-day excitement or one-day conviction or what have you. But what Nehemiah here had was a life-changing burden. This is something that got in there and just, it changed him. I have, I have some updates in my Bible written throughout of days that God gave me a burden that changed my life. I have one written in the front of my Bible, 81006. And from that day forward, uh, Lord helping me, at least that's what my mind was, is that I was going to go to work on purpose. That it became my ministry. That the people that I was around, I was going to open my mouth and begin to witness to. And from that day, in 06, God began to open doors for just a mindset, with just a burden for the people that I worked with. I remember when, when there was a group that got stirred up to start this church. They had a burden deep down. They came together and put this stuff together and, and started it. And, and the desire that this church still has to build this church, to see it grow. It, it's, in, it's in, I see it in you. And that is encouraging. What I'm saying is it's still wonderful when God stirs people up to do His work. When people get a burden to see things get done. Something get built. I've said this before and I'll say it again. The the folks, the men and women in Hebrews chapter 11, the people of faith, their faith caused them to do something. Build something. Go somewhere. Something like that. That's what it drove them to do. Back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. It says that in in, in verse 11. And and this is a prestigious high office. The cupbearer. He would have had power just by his proximity to the other power. The traits of a cupbearer would be someone that was faithful, trustworthy, shrewd, someone that was able... His job was to make sure that the king didn't get poisoned. Apparently that was a big deal back then. <laughs> you know? And, and, and he had to make sure that didn't happen. And the king trusted him to do that. The king trusted uh, Nehemiah to make sure that he didn't. So he was proven. He was trustworthy, right? That, this kind of starts to make sense now when if you continue to read into verse chapter 2 and verse 2 where the king sees Nehemiah's countenance and he says, uh, basically, uh, are you sick? <laughs> you, know what, you know what the king's thinking? If, if you're sick, I'm not drinking, drinking that cup, you know? If you tasted it first, I'm not having it. Right? He was concerned on Nehemiah's countenance. Nehemiah's countenance has changed because of his burden. But here we begin to see Nehemiah's leadership right away. In, in verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 2, The king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed unto the God of heaven. We joke around and say that this was a Nehemiah prayer. Like a split second, oh God help. And by the way, 
God answers those prayers, doesn't He? He answers those Nehemiah prayers. But we know that Nehemiah, he is all prayed up. We read that he, he, he was praying for a long time before that in chapter 1. God knew his heart. He knew what Nehemiah wanted to do. But now he was given this question. Now he was given this, this ability to, to do it. And he had an answer for him. Immediately, as soon as he said, what do you request? Nehemiah says, oh Lord, help. And he tells him what it is. He wants to go back and he wants to build up the walls. He says that in verse 5. You know, that's leadership. When you begin to say what, you, what, what, what the vision is and the, and the goal is, it's leading from the front. It's taking the responsibility. It's becoming the example and not being afraid to do that. That's what the, the Bible says that uh, uh, folks in the church are supposed to do. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort. Who am an elder also, also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and partakers of the glory which shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. That means taking that first step of faith. You know, you know, if this failed, this was all on Nehemiah. He would be the first and hardest hit when the opposition began to come. But he had a vision. You know what his vision was? He could see, before they ever started, he could see the walls built. He knew what could be. He knew what could be because if God was for it, who could, who could be against it? So he had to take the truth of the Word of God to the people to say, hey, this could be done. We find in, as we read through in chapter 5 of Nehemiah that Nehemiah was a blessing to the people. He wasn't, he wasn't a burden to them. Here's a couple of my favorite verses, just if you would bear with me, of Nehemiah. It kind of gives you an insight of his personality. In Nehemiah chapter 6, There's some folks there trying to get him off focus, off of focus of building the wall, distract him. They keep calling him to, to come and meet with them. And Nehemiah chapter 6 and, and verse 3, And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them the same manner. You know what Nehemiah is saying? We're in the middle of a great work here. We're trying to build the walls. Uh, Don't get me off focus. He says in verse 11, this is, a, this is a time where they're threatening his life and there's someone there uh, trying to get him to hide so that he doesn't get killed in verse 11. And he said, uh, they're trying to get him to hide in the temple. Verse 11 of chapter 6. And he said, such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. It seems like Nehemiah's personality, he knew how to get down to business. He knew how to stay focused on what was called, what the call was. You know, all of us have problems. But a good lesson here is, hey, don't, don't avoid them. Don't run from them. 
stay focused on what God would have us to do. Nehemiah, he was a rebuilder of the broken. And that's what God is, isn't he? He specializes in that. You know, anyone can tear down. Isn't it easier to tear something down than to build up? Doesn't it take more work to build up than to tear down? But it's worth the building. It's worth building it up. Is there not a cause? That's what Nehemiah was saying. Hey, is there not a cause to go back and build up the walls? What were the walls for anyhow? What were the walls? Why would they go back and build up these walls? Well, first off, these walls define who you are. Jerusalem, without the walls, they, it was harder to define. With the walls built up in Jerusalem, you knew where they started and you knew where they stopped, right? You've heard it said, and it's been in the news a lot lately, you know, a country without borders is no country. Well, the same in the city. Same with the church. You say, what are, what are the walls that we build up? We build up on truth. We build up on doctrine. And what the Word of God says, it is. It is our final authority in that sense. Not that we're exclusive or, or inclusive, but, but are for and no more. But there are some enemies that need to be kept out. And the truth will help do that. There is some sin that has to be kept out of the church, has to be kept out of our homes. Is that not right? In order to keep ourselves safe and define who we are. Hey, we are Christians, are we not? This people, they had a mind to work, to build up the walls. But when you begin to build, when you begin to build up the walls, when you begin to work, there's some things that you got to expect are going to come along. 2016, you've made a decision that you're going to build up, build up in Christ, grow closer to Christ, put some walls up in your home, put some walls up in your life. There's some things to expect when building. And the first thing is opposition. Now, if you're one of those people that's always looking for opposition or always expecting opposition, we got, you know, it's not all negative. In the book of Nehemiah, there's three chapters about opposition. It's true. It's real. There is spiritual warfare, right? But it's not all bad. There's a lot of good, too. There's a lot of uh, God delivered. You know, I've experienced uh, valleys. I've experienced depression and oppression. I've experienced spiritual warfare. But I'd rather talk about how God delivers. Because He does, doesn't He? Right. He does deliver. And that's what, the, that's, you know, that's what the Scripture is about. Yeah, the people have gone through storms, but God saw them through. People have been persecuted throughout the Scripture, but God was faithful. But the truth of the matter is, is there will be some opposition. Look at Nehemiah chapter, chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. 
There were some people that got upset just because Nehemiah came to help. What jerks? Can you believe that? Just because he came to help, they got all upset. If you're going to build, there's going to be some opposition. If you're going to draw closer to the Lord, if you're going to grow in your life and build up closer to the Lord, there's going to be some opposition, if nothing else but from yourself. (laughs) Because the spiritual man and the carnal man are contrary. If nothing else, you'll at least get a little opposition from yourself. Be willing to do that. You know, if you're going to build a new home, if you're going to build a building, if you're going to build uh, something, the end result may be perfect, but a lot of times the process, it's not a perfect process, is it? It's not a perfect process. And knowing that is helpful, isn't it? Because thinking it's a perfect process and then getting some opposition is much more discouraging than saying, there may be some opposition with building this and then, and then that in the past. You know I'm an optimist, but sometimes there's opposition, right? Sometimes it's not a perfect process. Even God's will doesn't, doesn't always go as smoothly as we would think it would. Is that okay? I hope so. Nehemiah 4, Nehemiah 4, uh, they got opposition from all kinds of angles, though, when they began to build this wall. They got ridiculed. If you have a, I have a Schofield Bible here, study Bible, and he breaks it out to each one of the different uh, ways that they got opposition. Starting in verse 1, it says, But it came to pass when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. And took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brother in the army of Samaria and said, What did these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall break down their stone wall. I mean, these, can you see these two? They're standing there just laughing and mocking. And oh, feeble Jews. Oh, if a fox goes by there, they're going to knock down the wall. I mean, come on. These guys were jerks. <laughs> I mean, they just were. They were. But you know what they were saying? It can't be done. It can't be done. And if you decide to build something, I don't know where these people come from, but they do. They come from somewhere. I mean, have you ever had a burden? Have you ever had a vision? Have you ever said, let's, I mean, I know that, you know, you get excited about doing something, and then some folks come, and they say, it can't be done. You can't do that. You know, it can't be done. Is that not, and then what's that do? It plants this thought in your head. I've had it much times. I thought, Man, the Lord's in this, Lord's going to do, we're going to go this way, and then listen to a couple people, and I thought, thinking, man, maybe it can't be done, maybe we can't do it, you know? I told, I told you about the well-meaning lady that told us that, they asked us when we first started Wellspring, said, are you guys going to be all right down there with the wood stove, you know? Are you going to make it? I thought, I think so. 
you know. If we all free solid down here, you can dig us out in the spring. I don't know. We'll know where we're at, you know. But it's you know you start to it starts planting these little thoughts of, well maybe it can't be done. I don't know. I thought we could do it, but but you know what the truth is if God's in it, and God's called you to it, and you know it, it can be done. You know what it is. A lot of times it's the battle in your mind, isn't it? When we start listening to other people tell us what we can and can't do, instead of seeking what God wants and just doing it, right? Isn't the battle in the mind a lot of times? Do we stop building the wall before we ever get started a lot of times? And that start, that's right here. We, we talk ourselves out of that. Or, or we allow someone else to talk ourselves out of it. They got opposition through that. They got opposition through all out anger. In verses 7 through 9, these guys come up here and they're very angry. They are threatening to attack. They're threatening all these things. They want to fight against them. The Bible says that they want to hinder it. This is, a, this is an attack. This is a spiritual attack. Sometimes just recognizing when you're being attacked, recognizing that, hey, this might be spiritual. This may, you know, so many times we, we look at things as if it's not spiritual, but looking at it and saying, this is a spiritual thing, and then we can, then we can combat it spiritually. What did they do when they began to be attacked? They set up a watch, and they watched day and night, the Bible says there in verse 9. That's what we're to do. We're to be praying, watching and praying, right? He says, pray with all perseverance. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you can stand against the wiles of the devil. You're going to need the whole armor of God if you're going to build up in Christ. You're going to build the walls up in your home and in our life and in our church. He says, be sober and vigilant. Why? Because we have an adversary. They got opposition through uh, discouragement through brethren. If you look at uh, Nehemiah 4.10, and that's a tough one. Uh, when, when brothers and sisters in Christ, those that you think you're supposed to be in unity and serving with, begin to discourage you, that one will get you down. That's some opposition. But you know what? We are not to keep our eyes on other people. We know that, right? But yet, we do. And, and, and who are we supposed to keep our eyes on? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hey, people will let us down, won't they? I mean, if our eyes are on them, people can let us down. But don't put our eyes on them. Look what they did after they began to be discouraged in verse 14. Of chapter 4, and I looked and arose and said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord. In other words, has the Lord ever let you down? Keep your eyes on the Lord. He won't let us down, will He? He is faithful. He is faithful to the end. In verse 15 of that chapter, they go back to work. Nehemiah chapter. Chapter 5 and verse 1 and on, they begin to get opposition. Some of the, through, through just heartlessness and through greed, there's multiple, before Nehemiah got there, the brothers were putting each other, uh, the, the Jews were putting each other into bondage. They were mortgaging each other out. Um, they had no heart for each other.
we all have to preach the message, have our heart right on, on money. But you know what the thing of it is? They began to get all kinds of opposition from all different angles. But you know what I also noticed? Is they got help from places that they didn't realize. You know God takes care of things. God provides. You say, how are we going to build the church? He's going to provide. I know it. When he's ready, when, he's, when he wants it to happen, he's going to provide. Just as if you know, they got some opposition from places they didn't see that it was going to happen, they also got some unexpected help. You know, the king, the king he, he took care of this whole rebuilding of the wall. That was unexpected, I'm sure, from everyone, from his perspective, that he would get involved like this. And so God can take care of things. God will. Listen, as Christians, we have to believe that, don't we? That He's going to provide. He's going to provide for our daily needs. He's going to provide for our lives. He's going to provide for our families. He's going to provide for the church. He is our provider, isn't He? He certainly is, and we trust Him with that. In chapter 6, they begin to get opposition by craft, and and they begin to try and trick them. And I already talked about that a little bit, that they try to get them to lose their focus, lose what they're supposed to be doing, keeping, there's so many things that can distract us. Is that not right? And that's what he's trying to, opposition will try and get us off track, off thing. So what to expect when building? Maybe some opposition. How to build? How to build? First is through unity. Look at Nehemiah chapter chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, So build we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Look at this. For the people had a mind to work. Wow. When there's unity, you can't stop that. When God's people are doing what God called them to do, when God's people are together in God's work, isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a beautiful thing? The unity of the building together. You know what the world, when they see that, when they see God's people doing God's work, they're like, wow, that doesn't... You know why? You know what they're used to? Cutthroat and politicking and all that stuff that really probably shouldn't be, that really shouldn't be in church, right? Gotta love each other and have the same call and the same purpose and put God first and He's the only, he's the only big shot. He's the only anything. He is the reason. He's the head of the church. Unity. You know how you keep the unity? Don't let anything get in between. Don't let anything get in between. Don't let things get between and break that unity. No gaps in the ranks. The enemy, you know what he tries to do? He has done this ever since the beginning. He divides, right? He divides and divides and divides until there's nothing left. You have to stay focused. They stayed focused here. So you build with unity. You build focused. A clear idea of what we're doing. I I say this so often here at Wellspring that we have three purposes, right? Why do I say that? 
I say that so often so that we keep the focus. You know why? Because if not, then we could start getting on our little pet peeves or our little hobby horses or our own little things. But then we come back to center and say, no, that's not, that's not what's important because our three purposes are to glorify and honor Jesus Christ first, to be a great commission church, see folks saved and spread the gospel, and to prepare each other in the sense of edify the body of Christ for our own specific ministry. And if it's not one of those things, then that's not, one, that's not our focus. And if it is one of those things, then don't divide it, because that's why we're here. That's important to us, those three things. It's that simple. It's just a clear statement so that you keep the focus. You know why? Because there's so many things that can get us off focus. The opposition is one of them, but just, just life, can't it? It can get us off the focus, off of what we're supposed to be doing. You remember the, the thing I brought up from Dave Ramsey, the uh, focus, intensity, <laughs> over time, multiplied by God, brings what? Momentum. That's what we want. We want positive momentum. We want, we want to see God. We want to see, we want to see the church working together. We want to see our homes working together. And then, and, then, and then the momentum grow on that. Right? The positive momentum for the Lord. How to build in unity. How to build focused. How to build ready. Ready. Look at verse uh, 17 of chapter 4. Nehemiah 4.17 says, They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, which uh, with those that laid it, every one with his hand wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a what? Weapon. For the builders, every one had his what? Sword girded to his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Now skip ahead to verse 21. So we labored in the work, and the half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, the same time, I uh, said I unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor in the day. So neither I, nor my brother, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which follow me, none of us put off our clothes saving that everyone put them off for washing. You know what these people were? They were ready. They knew that there was opposition. They knew what they were up against. You know what they were? They had a ready mind. Seeking the Lord. Keeping Him first. Keeping. You know, they had their sword. What's our sword? The Word of God, right? That's why there's been this big push about the Word of God. The Word of God in, in 2016, reading it and being in it. Why? So you're ready. So you're ready, so it's fresh, it's been reading it, you've been in it, you've been, it's our weapon. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hey, our weapon, is not, it's not earthly things, we're not fighting each other carnally, we're, we're in a spiritual battle, and, and our weapon is powerful, it's mighty through God. Doing what? Pulling down strongholds. Things that would try and trap us and stop us. They were ready around the clock to defend their work 
from anything or anybody that would stop it or get in between it. And lastly, why? Why build the wall? So what to expect, how to do it, and now why do it? Look at, look at uh, Nehemiah 7.1. Nehemiah 7.1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass when the wall was built. <laughs> you, know what, you know what ended up happening? They finished it. The hard, hard work, it did come to an end. Eventually, the wall was built. You see that? Eventually, eventually they were able to enjoy Jerusalem in safety and their families. After that, we see in chapter 8, the, the, the law is read and explained. Turn to, turn to chapter 8 and verse 10. What I'm saying is, hey, there's a good reason to, to draw close to the Lord. There's a good reason to build up, to set, set some walls up and build, build up in, in your home and your family and at the church. He says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be sorry. Look at this. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know what? Eventually, they got to get together and rejoice over the victory of God. That they came together and they built the wall. Chapter 9, there's repentance. Chapter 13, there's separation and cleansing of the temple. But could you imagine? I mean, we read this and we sort of understand. But could you imagine if you, you were there? If you would have been one of the people in reproach, one of the people that lived inside the cities of Jerusalem, and, and then they built it up. And then they restored it. And then one day they were able to look back and say, hey, you know that's how they did it too. The families, they separated and they each took a section of the wall. You read down through it. And they built their spot. They found where they were supposed to be and they built their section of the wall. They split up like that. They could say, hey, this is where we worked. This is where our blood, sweat, and tears was at. And they were able to rejoice in that together. In closing, I want us to pray. We're going to have an altar call. You can come to the altar and pray. You can pray at your pew. But I would take it serious that it's starting out in 2016. We've already said in all our ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct our paths. That's what we're going to say for 2016. But I, I say that you pray that personally, personally you can overcome the opposition that you're facing things that we're all going to face, pray that God help us, help us to overcome it. Pray for the vision to see what God can do if only we'll step, if only we'll act. For you personally, for your family, and for this church. Ask the Lord, pray, and ask God to give you the strength to build the wall. Give you the strength to do it. Pray for unity. Focus and readiness.